What's up, Raw Talks TV? I'm your host, Lenore, and here is where the people connect to the story. What's up, you guys? We are in season four, episode 12. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, listening, giving me your undivided attention, and also providing me with your feedback. A lot of the times I send podcasts just out because I used to be in a space where I'm like, oh, well, you know, maybe no one's going to listen to me or, you know, they're not going to, you know, be relatable to what I have to say. Or like if I do share it with somebody, they're not going to share it. You know, they're going to keep it to themselves, you know. So just all these different things. But I just dedicated myself to showing up for me. You know what I mean? It has been a journey. Um, in my life, it has been a journey over the years, but if you keep practicing to show up and be better for yourself and to believe in yourself, good things are going to come from it. So here I am recording season four, episode number 12, where we're going to get into some really deep things. I'm going to try not to have this podcast be long because I just want to kind of hit you guys with some things, get your mind going, get you to think another way. Because a lot of times we don't be challenging our thoughts as often as we should because our level of comfortability, what we want to hear from the people that we want to hear it from and not necessarily people that we don't want to hear it from. You know, you get me. So thank you guys so much. I hope that you hit that follow, subscribe button, whatever it is here on your podcast streaming platform. I also want to thank you guys so much for listening to episode number 11, The Absence of Capacity. That has been such a powerful episode where people have been relating to it, wanted to share. So thank you guys so much for sharing that podcast. And I am here to dive just a little bit deeper on the aspect of rejection. I know y'all like, what? What is she about to talk about? Bear with me. I promise you, I'm just going to hit you with some power punches and we're going to get through this together. So, and I can only speak from my experience, what I have learned, what I have gone through, what I have realized about myself. So number one, let's talk about the definition of rejection. Rejection, according to Google, is dismissing or refusing of a proposal and or idea. It also, the synonyms mean to abandon. It means to show, turn the cold shoulder. It means to ignore. It means to kind of like decline. It kind of be far removed, you know? So how did I come upon the aspect of rejection? I just kept feeling rejected, like in my everyday life, in my searching for jobs, in my relationships, in my friendships, and certain opportunities that I was seeking out. I talk about a lot of those rejecting rejecting moments in my books, Blind Faith and the Deeper Things. And I always, you know, refer, refer to you all to read those books because I really pour it all out. You know, um, I felt rejected in my family. And I was just like, man, why do I feel like nobody wants me? Why do I feel like the outcast? Why do I feel like things don't last for me? You know, why do I feel like it's never going to happen? No matter how much I put myself out there and whatever it was that I was trying to pursue. And I just had this, such a bubbly, outgoing personality, but I had this hovering cloud of rejection. And also what I noticed was, you know, the spirit of abandonment. Those of y'all who don't know me, you might be your first time listening. I am really like for Jesus, okay? Power to the Holy Spirit. And 
it is because of my relationship with Christ that I'm able to even communicate this with you all in a level of comfortableness. Um, because I realize a lot of us do not have language for the things that we have been experiencing for years. It doesn't matter if you're 16, 25, 44, 64, or 78. If we do not find the language for what we did battle internally, we can literally be stuck at a level of maturity that is not conducive to our life, not conducive to our um, impact in this world. We can literally be stuck at a maturity level. We can literally be eight, a maturity level of 18 and we're 28. You know what I mean? But you don't even realize that your maturity level is stuck because you don't have language, right? And you may not have people challenging you in that area. So let's look at the word abandonment according to Google. Cease to support or look after someone, to desert them, to leave, to cast aside, to turn one's back on, you know, to, um, yeah, push them, push them away, break up with them, right? So when I start thinking about rejection, abandonment, I'm like, all oh, this is really sounding familiar. You know, they have this relation and something that I would, people would pray for me all the time, pray over me when I was like going to different places to see God, they would pray the spirit of rejection off of me. I had no idea what they was talking about, right? Because, you know, you go into these over-spiritualized experiences and you're being introduced to this version of God or this level of understanding of who God is, um, in a different way, something that they wasn't really talking about at your home church, it's like, what is this? You know, you don't really feel bad about it, but you feel ignorant. Like, what? It, I don't understand what this is. So it led me to kind of do like a deeper dive on what it really looks like, what it really is. So if I can move forward, um, according to biblical connotation, Psalms chapter 68, verse number five, it says, a, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows is God in his holy habitation. So... When, if you're anything like me, I did not grow up with a father. My father left when we were two years old. So the, the only understanding I had about my father was based on what my mother told me. Nobody else really talked to me about my father. The only thing they would, they would say was, oh, you look like your daddy. You got hands like your daddy, feet like your daddy. Oh my God, you look just like your daddy. And I'm just like, I don't know this man. Stop saying this. Because I don't look like him. Because I had a negative connotation about who he was. I didn't look at him like, oh, this is my daddy. I looked at him like, this is the nigga that left us. You know, and not just me. You know what I'm saying? My twin brother looked at it like that for a long time with a spirit of anger, spirit of disappointment, spirit of why you don't care about us. What do we do to you to make you leave us and never come back? You know what I mean? So if you're in that predicament and your father could have died somebody could have killed him your father could have passed away from an illness or he could have been strung out on drugs or whatever caused him not to be present this is for you this is a level of detachment that we don't even recognize that we had because whether whoever showed up in our life our mother um our grandmother our aunt our uncle or a cousin who decided to step in and just kind of help you grow and mature your teacher a coach Whatever the case may be, 
to kind of feel that void so it didn't really feel like you really lost something. But in all actuality, if you grew up without any parent, it don't have to be a father. It could be a mother under those same circumstances that you you feel a part of you is being a, a rejected, abandoned, right? So let's look at the definition of an orphan spirit. Over the last several years, I have been made aware of a term called the orphan spirit when they talk about it in the church. So it basically describes believers who are separated from um, other believers due to certain circumstances. But another aspect talks about um, the orphan spirit is an experience that has been, that a child has been or a person who is being where they feel like outcast, where they feel lonely, right? They don't feel protected. They don't feel, you know, essential. They don't feel any of these things. And they can feel it in more parts of, you know, throughout their, their life. They can feel inadequate. They feel intimidated. They feel not worthy, right? They have low self-esteem in certain areas of their life. So combining all of the knowledge about these different terminology and just studying over the years and just trying to come up out of those perceptions, I literally had to pray like God. I don't want to feel rejected. I don't want to feel rejected. And what really made me press into this knowledge was last year when I had like I haven't dated and I've had this unhealthy relationship with men for a while. When I say unhealthy, meaning like I accepted things from men that I wouldn't normally have accepted if I probably would have been exposed to um, the nature of men, how men show up, how they behave, the things they say, the things that they do, the things that they don't do, whatever the case may be, and really been able to rest in um, who I was as a, as a young woman, you know, pertaining to how I encounter men. Now... When I say that, I, I'm saying, and, and this is for men too, yo, maybe how you show with women, your attachment to women, the type of women you fall for, the type of men, women that you engage, the, you know, a lot of the things that from our youth, depending on when our parents left or when, that moment we felt betrayed or that moment we felt re- rejected or whatever the traumatic experience was associated to feeling not worthy, you know, Often plays a role in the people that we select in our lives, the people we choose to be with, the people we choose to entertain, the people we choose to put up with their BS because of whatever we feel connected to them about, right? And soul ties is real even when it comes to platonic relationships that you can have a soul tie with a person. Like, say, for instance, you got a, a homie, right? And I'm talking to the men because I want to make it relatable for y'all. You talking to the homie and y'all real good friends. But you don't realize he ain't girl with his daddy. Okay, he got an older brother that, you know what I'm saying, don't really look out for him. Or his mom is very, have very toxic behaviors. His mama got very toxic behaviors, so we got a lot of relatability. No, we have a soul tie where we're, we're bound by the same abandonment. We were bound by the same rejection, the same traumas, the same wounds. That's why we can connect with each other. We, we might not even be that healthy for, for each other. But the fact that we relate so much, it feels good to be able to be connected to somebody who understands what I understand. So then we become loyal to them. We become attached to them in such a, a very strong way that we don't even realize that the person can very much well be a hindrance to us. 
You know, and I'm not going to say all the relationships are negative, right? Some of those relationships are good and are able to um, navigate our day-to-day lives, right? Because we have somebody to connect with it, with us. But it's important to evaluate the substance of that relationship. Why are we friends? Why do we have this encounter? Why are we drawn to each other? You have to ask yourself those tough questions, you know? So last year, I was like, man, I went through this time where I was like talking to this guy for a short amount of time. But I realized like when I'm talking to guys, you know, um, I instantly get this, be drawn to them. And not even just men, but like I'm using this for an example. I get drawn to people a lot. I'm very like um, inquisitive about people. I'm very concerned about people. I'm very like, oh, how this person feels or, you know, how they don't feel or connected to, with them in some type of way, because I just have the gift of individuality. I can really like just get a lot of information from one person and really remember those important things about that person, this person, that person, that person, and don't miss a beat and don't feel drained at all. I just collect the information and just try to be present for people. It's just part of my gift and I, I carry the burdens of people. It's because God, whatever God cares about that person, I care about that person because I'm an intercessor. I know I can pray through it. I know that I can be maybe a person that God will use to speak to the people and give them language for what they're going through. And I have a level of relatability. It took me a long time to understand that about myself, but I'm finally here. So I was talking to this one guy and I just remember like, and, and, and I'm using this one example, but this has happened several times where I feel like, okay, everything's going good, it's smooth, you talking to me, blah, 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 I'm just being myself, you know, then all of a sudden you stop, he stopped talking to me. And I'm just like, okay, and I really pay attention to people's behavior patterns. Like, you really can't get nothing past me when it comes to behavior and consistency. So if you're doing one thing for a long period of time, I probably didn't clock that and know exactly what you're doing, what you're doing, how you're doing. Not in a stalkerism, like not in a stalker way, but in a way of intentionality of getting to know you and, and you know, as a person and understand you, right? So then when those behavior patterns start changing, I'm like, dang, why are you acting like that? You know what I'm saying? Then you would draw and then retreat or ignore me or not, you know, doing the things that you was doing. That made me feel rejected. That made me feel like something was wrong with me. That made me feel like, why he shutting me out? You know what I mean? And I've had experiences where I've had, you know, family members who I truly cared about shut me out, you know, who are male figures in my life. And I'm just like, okay, maybe I'm supposed to accept this, but I always used to feel more so in a more romantic relationship. He owed me the attention. He owed me an explanation. He owed me this. You know what I mean? Like we grown, you should be able to tell me what's going on. Right. But I would get so mad and I would get so heated that I would like act irate. Like I literally would act like, I'm going over there or I'm doing this or I'm a call or I'm a text or you know what I'm saying? And not really just being smooth and chill and just relax and be comfortable in my secureness or my identity. Like I literally feel a rush to like, why are you avoiding me? Like why is, you know what I mean? Um, somewhere I be looking a little crazy too, but I didn't realize what, what that was. But when I realized it, um, and it came and it, it triggered me. I was like, man, I, I really need to figure out what this is. I need to go to therapy. So I just started Googling like why I would feel these feelings and things like that. And I came across um, the avoidance, uh, the fearful avoidance attachment style. So I had took like like a little test. Y'all know how you take the test for like um, 
what is it called? Um, your love languages. We so quick to do a love language test. But the real test is your attachment style. How do you interact with people, right? And Maz was a fear, fearful avoidance attachment style. And basically, um, according to simplepsychology.org, it means an attachment style describes how people relate to others based on how secure they feel. Fearful, I mean, secure they feel. Fearful avoidant attachment is a thought to be rare, a rare attachment. You develop it in your early childhood and thoughts to have a long life influence on your ability to communicate your emotions and needs, how you respond to conflict and how you form expectations around your relationships. Fearful avoidance attachment is also known as disorganized attachment. It is a complex pattern of behavior characteristics characteristics by both high levels of anxiety and avoidance in relationships so i'm just gonna start right there and i'm sharing the aspect with you so i was walking watching some things and i was on youtube and i have some friends that are therapists and i'm like yo what is this like is this this sound like a crazy person you know um based off like various aspects of this this attachment style, but it really gave me language to why I do the things that I do and show up the way that I show up when it comes to intimate relationships. And a lot of that come from my father leaving me. So I never was a, a female that turned into like a hoe. Like I never was out here just freaking and doing all that. I actually was kind of scared to do it because of my brothers and my cousins. And, you know, they just always say, oh, you don't, she being fast. And they would literally lie with well, my brothers my twin he he would lie all the time he'd be like she she acting fast and this and this and my mama did not play that she was real strict and I'm like nigga I ain't even doing nothing I'm not even I ain't even doing nothing you know so I used to always walk with us with a space of fearfulness like if I do something it's gonna make me look like a hoe you know what I mean it's gonna make me look like a buzz down it's gonna make me look fast it's gonna make me look these different ways and that's not the image that I want to have so I didn't do stuff like that you know what I mean um, but even as a adult, I felt those feelings like, oh, this is making me feel like a hoe. Like, nigga, you, you 34 years old and you is not acting like no hoe. You know what I mean? Um, but at the same time, still having those thoughts, you know, and I, I, I signed up for therapy, y'all. Like I signed up for therapy because I didn't want, I felt like there was a need to understand more of who I was. And I've always been like a self-development type of person. Um, self-evaluation like I want to know I want to be better I don't want to be sick here and be stuck in this level of maturity because I don't want to face fears I don't want to face truths I don't want to face these negative aspects about myself I feel like anybody who can face the good and bad about themselves are very more very well more rounded and very more very well more impactful for the people that they are called to so um I, I went back to therapy and I discovered I never had boundaries I've had temporary boundaries. So even boundaries that I was established for myself, they'll be short term. So I, I was um, informed that you do have long term boundaries and short term boundaries, depending on what you're trying to work on for yourself. But I really never had to establish boundaries because of things that happened in my life from my mom, you know, raising me and the things that she, you know, she allowed in her household that affect me. You know what I mean? So, um, just kind of think about those things like your environment that you grew up in, 
you know, do you have boundaries? Do you have standards? Do you have morals? Why do you, why do you, uh, why are you so flexible with some of your standards? Why are you willing to let certain people pass on, on certain things about yourself, but not other people, you know, why are you so secretive? Why do you go in hiding? Why don't you express yourself? Why don't you let people in? Why do you have walls around you? Like we really need to be talking about this because it's not healthy. It's okay to be precautious, but not paranoid. It's okay to have boundaries, but not walls to the point where people people are trying to break them down every time they talk to you. That's not fair. It's not fair for the other person. Like, when I go in situations, I give everybody a blank canvas because a lot of times when I'm into, when I meet men, I don't know if you're an assignment or, or if, if you are a potential um, lover. I, I don't know. But I'll wait and let time and God reveal what this person's, uh, role in my life is. I've literally had men come into my life to help with the rejection and they just help with showing me what a man was supposed to be. Right? Show me that you. I can give you this and I don't want nothing in return. I just want to support you. I just want to, I believe in you. I I, I just want to see you thrive and no, it don't want nothing from me. You know what I mean? Um, not to break my heart, not to be mean to me, not to be belittle me, not to try to finesse me in no type of way. It's important to be able to, to identify those things and let God bring those people in your life to heal you. But you have to identify it, you know. Um, but rejection is a whole thing. It is a whole thing. So my advice to you is see what your attachment style is. Don't worry about your love language. That's the least of your worries. Because those things change as you mature. The things that you once desired changes based off even if you say, for instance, it's physical touch. It might be physical touch because you was molested. It might be physical touch because you, you, you move with a spirit of lust and not from good intent. So then as you come and you get delivered from those things and, you know, it may not be physical touch. It may actually be words of affirmation, things that you lack. You know what I mean? That that you didn't know that you needed or it might be gifts or it might be any other things. You know what I mean? Or acts of service, all the things. But I feel like learning that, getting into some therapy, talking about the hard things. And a lot of times, a lot of stuff you go through in your in your life, your family has gone through it. They're just not talking about it. And it's okay. You don't have to bring everything to their attention because things have happened to me and been revealed to me, excuse me, about my life and about my family that I just go and pray about, you know, and when the time comes or if the time comes, I speak on it. If not, then I won't. The Lord will do his job. But I think it's important for us to know who feel rejected, who feel unloved, who feel like we're incapable of being loved, incapable of giving true love, but the desire is there. God can do something with the desire. He can do something with the honesty. He can do something with the vulnerability if you just give it to him. Ain't nothing wrong with you. We human and we go through things. So I just wanted to share this um, this podcast with you guys and give y'all just a little bit of hope a little bit more of understanding so that you can go and research this stuff on your own and really you know um get into your word and get around people who are having the hard conversations i mean that's the only way you're gonna heal to be honest and i don't want to just heal i want to be whole so whatever that takes i'm willing to sacrifice it sacrifice whatever it is 
to continue to become whole. So I love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning to Raw Talks TV, where the people connect to the story. I'll see you guys in the next episode. Make sure that you share this particular podcast with someone who really needs it. Peace out, y'all.